Hello and welcome to another episode of Splitting Feathers, the podcast that's sometimes washed down with wine. We're back with the Lancashire Legend series and today it's a legend very close to my own heart. From a gambling youth to chief executive, it's the turn of Amanda Meacham. So I'm here tonight at the home of Amanda Meacham. We're in her beautiful kitchen in Lancashire Bridge. Amanda's a very good friend of mine, somebody who I met, God, how long ago? Um, it's got to be at least, well, I've lived here for 17 years. And it would be about that so time. So it would be about that time. When yeah. I was a barman in the local pub. Yes. And Amanda was a regular. Um, and now we're regulars together in various local pubs. Yes, as many uh, as possible. Very, as often as possible. Very good friends. Uh, we spend a lot of time walking on the hills. Um, spend a lot of time in this kitchen, actually, don't we? Yes. Just here, drinking wine like we are now. Yeah, walking, talking. Mm-hmm. We're drinking um, Amanda likes to drink Merlot, so that's what we're drinking tonight. Now, remind me, there's uh, some particular countries that you don't like wine from. Where are they? Um, I don't particularly like the Californian wines. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? I don't know. I just don't... I think they taste a little bit thin. Okay. Um, I love the Australian and the New Zealand and South American wines. And if they are Northern Hemisphere, I think they've got to be France or Spain or Italy. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of this podcast is we have a chat over a bottle of wine, but I know Amanda very well, so I've brought two. Um, so I've brought Amanda's, uh, something that Amanda would like, and then I've brought a Rioja. It's not a Rioja, is it? It's, it is yeah. a Rioja. It's yeah. a, a Rioja that um, I really like. It's, uh, I, th- I think it's everybody's go-to uh, Rioja. So I thought there's every chance that we'll finish the Merlot. So... We may well crack on with the Rioja afterwards. Um, so the, the podcast, it, it says that um, this is about people who've seen everything. Um, and you certainly have seen a huge amount throughout your very varied life. You're now the chief executive of Community Business Partners. Do you want to just tell us a little bit, I mean, and the journey to that is quite an incredible one, really. But do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do now and what community business partners do and then we'll start at the beginning I guess and work community and business partners um, more or less does what it says on the tin Um, we do a lot of business programs and run uh, business events business support um, mentoring coaching uh, corporate events some funded some commercial Uh, we deliver a lot of very localized community projects some lottery funded uh, some self-sustaining. We have a scrap store, a really um, nationally recognised scrap store called Sands, which stands for Scrap Art Material Store, mm-hmm. where lots of um, manufacturing companies, distribution companies, donate to us their unwanted and surplus goods and stuff that they see as waste. And we take that in uh, Blue Peter-esque and, yeah. and, and repackage it we don't change it structurally. We might mm-hmm. clean it up and make it a little bit smaller and more manageable. And then we offer that as um, a membership scheme. Um, Sorry, I'm eating cheese now. All right. <laughs> Me too. When you applied for the job, mm-hmm. did you ever think you would get it? The chief executive job? Mm. Um, I'm just going to pour myself some more wine. What do you think, before we, what do you think to the wine? I think it's lovely. Yeah, just. Mm. But I've been to that place um, in New Zealand where. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been there twice. I've got holidays to discuss. Uh, Where that's made. So um, it's. 
So you're quite a fan of music, aren't you? Mm. Uh, I thought I had a fair chance of okay. getting the job. Um, so it wasn't just a shot in the dark? No. Um, a couple of people from within the partnership, and the mm-hmm. partnership was a very, it was a very far-reaching, wide-reaching entity, even though there was only a, a, a mm. few employees yeah. in a little office, the actual outreach from that and the connections and the networking and the and the um, the partners that, that were integral to that partnership, it was a true partnership and, mm-hmm. and it was one of the very best in the country. There were so many, I mean, through that partnership I've, I've, I've met so many people, I've had doors opened, I've mm-hmm. had intru- introductions, I, I've been to places that I would never have dreamed of being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, real pinch moments where yeah, the yeah. thing is, am I, am I actually sat mm-hmm. here doing yeah. this? Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it, it was really about finding all, all that good stuff within that partnership, using the best bits, mm-hmm. continuing with the stuff that could that was that was ready to go on to the next um the the next entity. Blackburn partnership as a name yeah. was very limiting mm-hmm. because we were starting to do work in Lancaster, in Blackpool, on the File Coast, yeah. in Stoke on Trent, in yeah. North Staffs. Um and every time I went anywhere and told them what we did, they would say, Why do we want Blackburn Council coming mm-hmm. to do services and I, for us? And I guess from so from you taking over and it, lots of things come into a natural end and there were some seeds that have become things like Sam's today. But really you were starting almost with a clean sheet, weren't you? So yes. so what yeah. there is today, you've grown from a blank piece of paper almost from the day yes. you took over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of we'll come we'll touch later on probably on some of the business stuff. So that's the business stuff. Now it's time. I feel like it's a little bit like um, this is your life. So that <laughs> n- now it's time for the really interesting stuff because Amanda Meachin, oh this God. is your life. So you didn't have um, for somebody or for most people who would end up as a CEO, you didn't have the conventional upbringing for most people who would end up in that role. Did I you? Had you certainly had a very difficult. Yeah, than you, what you would imagine um, the conventional. You, 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 you certainly had challenges and um, a pretty tough upbringing, probably. Yeah, and, yeah uh, I'd say that's okay. So, so let's let's talk about how life began. For uh, it was in Nelson, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Well, for, I was born in Burnley, but yeah. I lived in Nelson. Um, and how how did life start for you? Wow. What a way to go. I feel like this is uh, okay. some sort of shrink session wow. now. <laughs> well, I was, I'm the youngest of five mm-hmm. siblings. Um, I've got three sisters and a brother. Um, my dad was in the RAF mm-hmm. and was a D-Day veteran. Mm-hmm. He, was, um, he worked with the French and Belgian resistance. Um, for six months before D-Day, he set up the landing beach huts on the beaches for D-Day. He spoke seven languages fluently. He had um, a Belgian wife in 1944, who sadly died in 1948 of tuberculosis and meningitis. But I have a a Belgian family. I've got brothers and sisters, uh, Mm -hmm. brother-in-law, step-brother, 
and his family, um, which now are my nieces and nephews and great nieces and great nephews, all called Meachie. Did they come over this summer? Yes, I, I, I met yeah. last summer. Like, yeah, last summer. Yeah, yeah I met, but I've, I've met a number of them. But my mm. oldest sister Linda, uh, she's the one with the closest and most long-standing connection because mm-hmm. she was obviously she she was a lot mm-hmm. closer in age. closer in age. Mm. Um, but my mum uh, was Irish from Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, my mum and dad married in 1950, and they lived in Nelson, and um, they were, after, after my dad left the RAF, they were just a, a regular working class family. Um, and we lived on Spring Street in Nelson. I went to Whitefield Junior School mm-hmm. and Lom- uh, Whitefield Infants Junior, uh, Junior School. Went to Mansfield High School. Um, my family was quite dysfunctional. My my dad carried a lot of um, hurt with him because mm-hmm. he, he he did go through the war. He saw a lot of things. He uh, sacrificed a hell of a lot of um, things. Mm-hmm. To enable him to do that, yeah. he, his first wife died. His mm-hmm. child that they had together um, was left behind in Belgium when mm-hmm. he came back as a soldier. Um, so there was lots and lots of things that he carried around with yeah. him. And um, he drank a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and um, The interesting thing with that is, if, for somebody like your dad, who's who was a D-Day vet, and the support that would be there now... That wasn't there then. None whatsoever. Yeah, there the, the, the difference. Nelson Star Cycling Club. Yeah, was my his support. But the, the, the now he would be, um, I think. So people would be watching out for him. Oh, yeah, um, there would be. But there was none of that then, was there? It was you're on your own. You're yeah. out of the army. You're, you're out of the RAF. And yeah. it was very much, you know, it was it was a very cultured industrious, educated, hard-working, proud man. Mm-hmm. And he was brave. Bravest man I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never spoke about what happened. Mm-hmm. He never spoke about uh, the things he'd witnessed. He never, you know, he went to the, he went to the club and he drank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. Um, my mum, unfortunately, had to live with that ghost. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they had five children together mm-hmm. and they loved each other dearly, mm-hmm. but it was a very... Uh, destructive relationship mm-hmm. um, and my mum became an alcoholic over a number of years um, through various different things mm-hmm. uh, that brought heartache one of the one of the most um, ironic things that happened to my mum and my elder sister they both worked at uh, Burnley Victoria Hospital and when they finished their shift one night they were walking through Burnley and they were uh, run over by a drunk driver. Uh, my mum took the full force of the car and the hit and threw my elder sister to the ground so that she protected her. So my sister was injured slightly. My mum had life-changing injuries. Mm-hmm. She, um, she had um, broken legs, broken arms. She couldn't walk for probably two years. She had a fractured skull. Um, she uh, she had a foot sewn back on. They said she'd never walk again. My mum did walk again and mm-hmm. danced and and um, partied. and partied hard <laughs> because one of the the irony and I and I say that in in all um, in in all honesty the irony was 
even though the physical stuff healed eventually over a number of years um the mental scars never did mm -hmm. and one of the one of the things that she was left with was insomnia mm -hmm. and um, after they tried all the, the sleeping tablets, Mogadon, mm -hmm. uh, all these things that were around in the 70s, the only thing that my mum used to do for any sort of release to get to sleep eventually was drink. Yeah. Uh, so she began an And there were a lot, I mean, of, there's a, a terribly sad story there, but in that era, there wasn't the sort of counselling and stuff like yeah. Lots of people... Their only comfort was drink, wasn't it? Yeah. That yeah. they would go to the pub, they would, they would drink, and there, there was none of the support we have today to keep, to keep young people with troubles or something that's happened to them. There was none of that. It was you go to the pub, you don't talk, number one, you don't talk about don't it. Don't talk about it. Stiff up a bit. And, and well, you don't need to go to wash him because it was yeah. frowned upon. That and, and, and if you can't sleep, yeah. have a bloody sherry. Mm. And, yeah. and and that was the attitude. Wine. Yeah, and that and that was the attitude, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so you had to. Um... So we lived with, we lived with that, and mm -hmm. and we lived with that as kids. And it was a destructive environment, mm -hmm. and it was. Um, it and what was... effect did that have on you? The, well, my my, I didn't know it at the time, but mm -hmm. as as I witnessed that, I, I I didn't consciously think, but. But subliminally, and, and as soon as I was an adult, which came quicker than it should have done, mm -hmm. um, my driver and, and my, um, my, my focus for the whole of my life has always been, I'm never going to live like that. Yeah. I'm never going to lose my home. So it's had, it's had a hugely, uh, weirdly, it's had a hugely positive impact on the person it's been a driver to so you becoming a chief executive of a company. Yeah, and, and all my siblings as well. My, my yeah. four older siblings are all very successful and they're all very uh, self-sufficient. They're all independent. They're mm -hmm. all financially secure. They're all solvent. And mm -hmm. they're all very, very driven individuals. Yeah. And very happy with their lives. Yeah. So they've seen... You're all quite different, aren't you? We're I mean, all very we've different. We've talked a lot about your brother yeah. who... Yeah, who lived the DJ like James lived Bond. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so, my sisters. But they're all independently successful. Yeah, and, and all very different characters, but mm -hmm. all found their way to get back. Mm -hmm. They all found their way that was going to um, get them out of the situation they were in and yeah. give them a better life. They all made good mm -hmm. in their own way. There and was there, no blueprint. The, there must be so many people from that era uh, of that sort of gritty... East Lancashire Northern upbringing, who have been the same, maybe not on the level of achievement that you've had, but at that time there was that very gritty, everybody stiff upper lip, drinking lots, mm. down the working men's club, yeah, and, uh, and, and I... it must have had a huge effect on your generation of. We saw this subliminally I'm sure it, I'm growing absolutely up. Absolutely sure it did, and. I used to think that my family was abnormal. Mm -hmm. I used to think they were the ones that were the scourge of the neighbourhood, that mm -hmm. everybody would be pointing and laughing at us, everybody would be talking about us, that we were the we were the you know, the ones that were the 
um, you know, fessed up best dress because yeah. there was there was four girls under one roof at one yeah. point. So you can imagine yeah, yeah. tights, knickers and bras yeah, yeah, yeah. were, you know... In short supply. They were great for <laughs> they were a lot of catfighting <laughs> over who got the best underwear and who got the clean socks and who got the best vest and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but mm. it definitely was a catalyst to... to it, it was almost a pain that you went through mm-hmm. that gave you the motivation to get rid of that pain. Yeah. And to yeah. get rid of that pain for all my family, and me included, was to work. And do you feel rid of that pain now? Completely. Good. Completely. But I'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never... Well, it is, it's the reason you are who you are. Almost without it, maybe you wouldn't have done everything you've done maybe you wouldn't have had the attitude to life been the thing that's driven me for 30 years mm-hmm. through a working life mm-hmm. that my first job was on nelson market yeah um on a saturday mm-hmm. and my, my first real job as in as as an adult was as a cleaner in mm-hmm. a hotel yeah. um and every single job that i've ever done since then I've done with the same purpose, mm-hmm. and that is to get further on than I was at that mm-hmm. point in time. And there were quite a lot of just on the cleaning the hotel thing. There's quite a lot of stories there's just around stories. the cleaning. There's lots there of are lots so many. I, mean, I wish this. A lot of. I wish most of which we, 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 we can't talk about. We talk, yeah, I was talking about this earlier, and I said there are so many things that we can, we can and can't talk about on these things. Um, but the the hotel thing will we'll come shortly, I'm sure, onto uh, you becoming an adult um, way before you should have done. I just want to cover the time in um, in the pub down on the bottom of Colm. In the Spinners Arms. In the Spinners, which spinners I, I've never known because it wasn't it's not been there in like my lifetime. But it's next oh, next door to what was Aver, oh, what is Averose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, just a it's just a house now. It's yeah, a yeah. domestic living. And that was your parents' pub. That was my mum's pub. Okay. That wasn't yeah. my mum and dad's pub. My okay. mum uh, and my dad lived a very... Um, it Through the drink. And yeah. after my after mum had recovered from her accident, and mm-hmm. that, the accident was in 1971, yeah. she became the landlady of the Spinner's Arms in 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in them years, between her accident and her becoming the uh, landlady, her and my dad... Uh, separated mm-hmm. they never really separated they just lived a very open marriage because yeah. she always came back eventually and they yeah. never got divorced because they were Catholic yeah um, and that would have been quite just the separation in them days would have been quite unusual yeah. wouldn't it yeah I think my mum had a little bit of a reputation for being a scarlet woman <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in, in various uh, neighbourhoods. I'm just going to um, have some more wine. Yeah. Do you want some more wine? Um, yeah, I'll have some more wine. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad I brought two bottles. And then, um, so my mum got to be the landlady of the Spinner's Arms in And Cole. you were, what, 12 at the time? I was at 11. 11. See, I'm not far wrong. I do I listen. When we go walking on them hills, yes. I do actually listen. Um, <laughs> But at the time, a woman wasn't allowed to hold a license wow. for license wow. purposes. So she had to have a man yeah. to hold that license. You know the name above the door mm-hmm. when it mm-hmm. used to say, uh, yeah. license well, my gra- held by... My granddad had the Emmett Arms, 
my great granddad, um, way before my time, he lived on Keith Road and Ledger Bridge. And when I went to his house, when he left, he took the license down. And it's still there now because his son lives in the house. It's screwed above I'd the shed, it. the garden yeah. shed door. I'd love it. I'd love <laughs> it. So my mum couldn't hold the license as a woman. Mm-hmm. So she had a friend. We'll call him a friend. Um, and he took the license mm-hmm. in his name. So he was the landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a nice guy. Uh, so I won't even, I yeah. won't even tell you his name. But yeah. my mum was the landlady. She got the, she, through her connections and through her friends and through her knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and local support, she got the license although she couldn't hold it. Yeah. She was the landlady. She, if it weren't for her, they wouldn't have the pub. Yes, yeah. Um, and so I went to live there at the age of eleven, um, and it was a it was a it was a coroner's pub. Yeah. It was a tarmacker's pub. Yeah. Um, I bet it was bloody brilliant. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And uh, as an eleven-year-old girl, I had uh, various jobs. I had to lay the fires in all the rooms every morning before I went to school. So there was um, there was the the main bar, there was the pool room, there was the tap room. And then there was the living room upstairs, mm-hmm. all our coal fires. I laid the fire. That's where I learned to lay a fire and light a yeah. fire, which is a very witchy you know, craft. Kept me very witchy craft <laughs> and, and kept it in, kept me in good stead. Yeah. Um, I learned to play pool, poker, blackjack, darts, bridge, dominoes. By the age of eleven. By the age of eleven, probably about twelve. But by, mm. uh, by the uh, time you could do it yes. well. Uh, but I could do it very well, <coughs> and I could. Um, I knew how to open the jukebox and, and put credits on without the key. I knew how to open the uh, one-armed bandit and put credits on without the key. So you could say the spinner's arms taught you how to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, yeah, you could, I suppose. Yeah, you could. It certainly how, how taught to, me how, how to um, how to uh, make a profit yeah, out yeah. of my time. Yeah, yeah. And that's quite an important thing, isn't it? Just because there are so many, particularly service industries, and I guess... With mentoring and stuff like that, you are selling time. Um, if you if you're selling goods, you're um, if you're selling goods, you can sell a million of them an hour. With things like mentoring, you're selling time, and to make profit out of time is a very difficult thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. the, the, so the spinner's arms is where you. Oh, when I say profit, I, d- yeah. I don't mean monetary profit. Yeah, yeah. I just mean it. It was um, I I I learned things that mm-hmm. that. Stayed with and, and skills and um, and how to do things. and that must have left you at twelve years twelve years old very worldly wise from being in a tarmacker's pub down the bottom of Colton. You must have. I mean, we talk about now interviewing somebody who's seen it all. You must have seen a, a huge amount by the time you were twelve. I saw lots of things. Mm-hmm. I saw lots of um, adult things that an eleven-year-old probably shouldn't see. Yeah. But I'd already seen that with my mum and dad in that uh, caustic relationship mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but I saw great times as well. I yeah. saw people having great times. I saw friendships that I still... I still have friends now in Cone that I met as my mum's friends that mm-hmm. came into the, the pub. And I can still see some of them now. And, and there's just a just little... Just makes you warm inside. Absolutely. Yeah. And... and the, mm-hmm. And the memories and the the things that we went through mm-hmm. as a really close knit community, yeah. and and it was a community. And it is, in that and, 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 and Colne is still like that now. Yeah. There's something special about Colne, isn't there? I, we we I both love so. it. I but think so. if you kick one, 
Yeah. The team cry, don't they? Yeah. Um, and, and and some of my other jobs, I had to make the sandwiches for the pool team on Monday nights. Yeah, well, I was going, I was going to come on to this because I knew that you'd done a bit in the kitchen, and you're now, well, you're vegetarian, but you're in every time I every time I come to your house and you cook, the food is incredible. But you were you were making food. From the age of 11 and 12. Well, I was I? making food before that because even though my mum was um, had, had her problems and her issues, uh, she was a chef and she was a brilliant chef. Um, so from the age of two, mm-hmm. I was sat on a kitchen worktop watching my mum cook. And my mum used to give me a taste of every ingredient that she cooked with. Um, and she would say... This is a turnip, this is a potato, mm-hmm. this is a radish, whatever it was. Taste it and tell me what it tastes like. And I can remember doing that at the age of two, and I know it was the age of two, because at the time my mum worked in the canteen at Smith and Nephews at Briarfield. Yeah, Briarfield Mill today. Yeah, and, and um, <coughs> there was no childcare or nursery services in those days, so I used to go into that canteen with my mum, and I used to sit under the table while she was in the kitchen while she was cooking. And I can remember my sister working in the mill who came into the canteen for a dinner at lunchtime. So Linda, my eldest sister, mm-hmm. <coughs> worked at Smith and Nephews when she was 17 years old. Linda is 15 years older than me, so I was two. And wow. I can remember being in that kitchen mm-hmm. at Smith and Nephews with my mum. Health and safety, take your toddlers to work, yeah. stick her under the table. Do you think that's your earliest memory in life? Yes. It's funny, isn't it? Because you can always remember. I, my earliest memory is really random. My grandma lived on Beaufort Street in Nelson. Oh. And I remember... Oh, near the trap. Yeah. And there was this little table. Um, and I used to go every... And I know it was a Thursday because I know it wasn't a Tuesday, but I always remember that Margaret Thatcher was on the telly. And I... And it was when Prime Minister's Questions was twice a week. So that's why, because... Whatever had happened in Prime Minister's Questions that day was on the news. And I remember having lamb chops, home fried chips, sweet corn, sat at this little table. Yeah. And um, my mum, my grandma's husband made us these little chairs, which are still in the office today. And the kids in the office sit on them. And I, that's my earliest memory. And I always remember that every time I used to leave my grandma's house, I used to switch the freezer off on purpose. It's one of those chest freezers. And she said, and she used to say, <laughs> and she shit. said, every time, every time you left, I had to always check that the freezer was. But it's it's weird what your first yeah. and, and your first memory is so vivid and clear as well, isn't it? And I think food mm. is a. Well, mine's food, and almost, yours is food too. Food is almost uh, primal. Yeah. In, in sort of memory terms. Yeah. Because it's um, it's a. It's the most basic function. And maybe of life. there's something really in that because okay. mine is lamb chops, and I can remember, and they were crinkle cut. I can remember they were crinkle. So yeah. maybe it is that primal, your first I memory is about is. the food that you had. Um, and even though through all my life, when when my mum and my dad uh, had their problems and difficulties, you know, and and some of the days were very dark, and mm-hmm. some of the times that we we had to endure were very very dark. We were always fed, mm-hmm. and it might not have been the most gourmet, delicious sort of, um, you know, but it was always wholesome. Mm-hmm. It was always nutritious, and no matter what she did, she always made sure that there was a meal on the table. And I, I, 
I can I can tell that now from I I can come here and have any sort of food with you and quite I mean as you know I'm a fairly uh, carnivorous person I grew my own turkeys at Christmas and you had to come round and say do they have to go um, can't they have a stir uh, yeah exactly and but the food and I'd always thought being vegetarian or even vegan I've got lots of vegan friends was just like that must be really boring but the food you've cooked for me has been incredible every time. I love it. So that must food. come from this two-year-old yeah. of tasting these ingredients yeah. and knowing what stuff tastes like. And I still love all food, and mm. I still absolutely understand everybody and anybody having the right to choose what they eat. Absolutely. And my my only uh, my, my my thing is that I want to know what I'm eating. Yeah. I want to know where it's come from, and I want to know what's in it. Yeah. And if I don't know that then I won't eat it. So yeah. processed food and, and, and factory the, the number of ta- food. The number of times we'll go on a walk and I'll say, I always remember that just having a packet of Pringles sends you crazy. Yeah. I just when I say, it's, oh... It's the work of the devil. <clears throat> yeah. It's the work of the devil. You're Pringles quite, you're quite a, a natural ingredient yeah. eater. Eat anything you. you want as long as it's the closest it is. And that's why we always sat, end up sat on this table... With cheese and pickle, yes. things that are, yes. you know exactly where they've Why? come from. Nothing really that hard, hard processed stuff that you know exactly mm. where it's come from. <clears throat> so we've covered the pub period, and by the end of the pub period, you're an adult almost anyway because you've seen them done so much. Yeah. And then you go off to school, and then there's a period where you become an adult before, way before you should have done so it's quite a hard thing to talk about isn't it it but is let's, a really hard but let, thing to it's talk a really about. important it's part not, of your it's life it's not difficult it, there are certain elements it's probably harder for me difficult. to ask about yeah. than it is for you to talk about but there it's are a certain re- elements that are very difficult to talk about mm-hmm. and there are certain elements that I won't talk about yeah, yeah. but I, I had a baby at the age of 14 mm-hmm. um, and that Probably doesn't sound so shocking these days, uh-huh. but in 1980, the the whole world seemed to reel in recoil, mm-hmm. in shock horror that um, Mandy Meachin had got herself pregnant. Mm-hmm. I always remember this story that you told me when we were out walking one day, and you were off school and the school was gossiping about it saying and to one of your best friends mm. and said yeah. have you heard and have you heard? having yeah. a go at one of your yeah. friends have you heard have yeah. you heard Mandy yeah. Meacham's pregnant and your yeah. friend just turned around and said you're wrong she's at it yeah yeah she did <laughs> yeah and she's still one of my best friends to this day yeah. she lives down in Devon now and I've messaged her this week because I was sat on Asda Car Park on Monday morning and there was uh, a registration of a car parked opposite me and it spelled out her surname. So I took a photograph of it and I sent it to her. And I said, mm-hmm. just seeing this on Asda Car Park, remind me of you and smiled. And she sent me a big kiss back. Yeah. And yeah. she will be my lifelong friend. Mm-hmm. But she stuck by me. Um, In a time where everybody would, everybody would judge in 1980. Yeah. But the... The, the biggest surprise for me was the institution of school mm-hmm. because um, I was seen as a leper. Mm-hmm. I was seen as somebody not worthy of an education. Probably, yeah, I, I was just going to say that for teachers and the education institute, they probably saw that as almost the end of your life. 
Yes, and and everywhere I went, people said uh, there was there was a mantra that started to be sort of I got used to that she was good for nothing. Yeah, that was my that was my three word title: good for mm-hmm. nothing, ruined her life. Um, and do you think any of that sort of good for nothing? That's the end of it. So, sort of spurred you on well I'm going to show well, no, you I believed it for a good while did I be- you? yeah completely oh, I did sad. yeah I believed it for um, there was one guy who um, when I worked at a supermarket in the Arndale Centre in Nelson in Victor Value mm-hmm. he broke that spell for me because for um, from the age of 14 school well we'll go back to school first of mm-hmm. all so I was I was I was not allowed to take any O level courses because I might disrupt the better students or the better pupils who uh, needed uh, quality time to, to gain their O levels. So I couldn't do any O level courses. I couldn't do any. Uh, I couldn't leave school. So I was locked in the tower. I was put. Yeah. I was put on the top of the onward block. Yeah. Uh, for probably three afternoons a week, while the rest of my peers were off doing their exams. Um, and on my sixteenth birthday, um, the head of fifth year said uh, we no longer have to legally entertain you so you don't need to come back so I left on the 27th of November before all of your peers before all of my peers without a qualification because they'd legally got you to the age that they'd drawn their money and yes. they didn't and have then to said, look after you you can go we don't need to uh, put up with you and, and for them so and how did that feel on that day uh, well I said well I, I, I was like great see you later yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm off um and, and, and to be honest, a lot of what happened while I was a single parent and a, a teenager were, was um, just something that you did to protect them. Mm-hmm. Something I did just as everything was a protection mechanism. So, it was all self-preservation. So where did the bit come in that changed from you believing that your name, good for nothing, was you to I'm going to bloody make something of this? I got a job in Victor Value in the Arndale Centre at Nelson and I worked on a checkout for mm-hmm. four, three afternoons a week. And um, Baby a at home? Job. Two babies by that time. Okay. I had another baby at that time. Mm-hmm. I had two. So by the age of 18, I had yep. uh, a two-year-old and a new baby. So I think I was about 20 when I went to work at Victor Value. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, every Friday morning you had to go and sign for your paycheck and you got paid in cash in a little brown envelope Mm -hmm. and you had to sign for it and I used to go into the manager's office and sign for it and every and and I'd sign for my pay pay packet and I'd say am I coming back next week because there'd be nothing like employment rights or anything then would there it'd be be worse than zero hours now oh yeah of course yeah uh, oh, I never signed a contract. Yeah, so yeah, I just worked yeah. on the checkout, and, and then it, yeah, um, if you were allowed in next week, you were looking. Yeah, um, but the guy, the guy, he was called Paul Holt. He was brilliant, um, and I'll never forget him. He changed my life. And every Friday morning, I'd say, "Do you want me to come back?" And every Friday morning, he wouldn't even look up from the great big ledger that he was signing mm-hmm. after I signed another one. Yeah, and I go, and he go, "Yeah, you're coming back." And I go, and then after about six weeks of that happening. Um, Friday morning, went in lunchtime, said, sign for me wages. I said, I said, am I coming back next week? And he went, he looked up from the ledger and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and he looked at me and he went, what's your problem? I said, I haven't got a problem. He said, yeah, you do. I said, no, I don't. 
So that was, you know, mm -hmm. that was my that was my demeanour yes. most of the time. Not there was a, there was always a, a little bit of a fight in me. Never, <laughs> I would never believe that. Um, and he said, "Close the door." And I thought, "Here we go. I'm going to get sacked. I'm going to get sacked." So I got ready for a fight. So I closed the door and I turned around and I went right. Why? He said, "Sit down." And I was like, you know, I, I was a bit. Don't sit down to get sacked. You know, and I said, "Why? Why should I sit down?" He said, "Just sit down." He said, what's your problem? I said, I don't have a problem. He said, how many people do you think I employ in here, in this supermarket? And I said, I don't know, 25, 30. He said, yeah, close enough. You're my best worker. Wow. 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 It still brings, yeah, yeah. It, it brings a lump to my throat even now. Wow. He said, if everybody turned up like you, I'd have no problems. He said, wow. you're the first in. Brings them up to my throat. Yeah. For he said, you're the, <clears throat> you put your hand up if I want overtime. You turn up. And he said, I mean, you turn up. You yeah. don't arrive. You turn yeah, up. Yeah. You're ready to yeah. work. You're Present. Going. In the room. Yeah. Let's go. He said, and you never complain. He and, said, you, and you're the only one probably worried about your job. <laughs> probably, yeah. He said, so what? what's your problem? Why do you keep asking me? whether you're coming back next week. And I just said, well, no one's ever said that to me before. Mm -hmm. Everyone's always told me I was good for nothing. Yeah. And I was waiting for you to sack me. You can't record this and... We can cut it out. Well, well, you can. No, <laughs> but it, I said, I was waiting for you to sack me or try and fuck me. Yeah. Because that's what most men did. Yeah. At yeah. that time. You can't. Yeah. We can, obviously, control. is that. <laughs> you can't. No, it's and I said, But I said that to him. I said, they were either controlling me. Mm-hmm. Sacking me, yeah. or trying to fuck me. Yeah. I said, so that's what I was waiting for. Yeah. He said, you just keep coming back, you keep working for me. He said, do you ever ask if you need to come back ever again? Yeah. And that must, be, that must have been a, self, a, a lack of self-confidence from this constant hammering down from 14 years old. So you're six years on. Yeah. So you've had six years yeah, by that point told of being told you're good, good for, for your name is good for good nothing. Good for nothing. And I walked out of that supermarket that day and got on the bus to go home to pick my children up from nursery. Mm -hmm. And I thought, they've all been lying. Yeah. They've all been lying. I work really hard. Yeah. And he's going to pay me. Yeah. And I can work harder and longer and he's going to pay me some more money. Yeah. And that's what I did. I then started to work and then got a better job and got a better yeah. job and never got a qualification, an educational qualification until 2008. Mm -hmm. But I'd already... By which time you I'd were... I'd already been chief executive yeah. for four years yeah, before yeah. I got an and, and, there's some, and there's something about that, isn't there, that qualifications are really important. They are... They, they open doors. And, and they are now, particularly because, ev because everybody's got one. Um, but there is something about working hard... Um, there's something about connections. There's something about just do, playing your part that the qualifications aren't as in, and that's probably not right to say because really I want difficult to to, to get the right balance. It is but really if you just chuck yourself into it and you impress people, then a degree might impress people, but nothing will impress people as much as you will. Well. When my children, who are both 
very well balanced, very yeah, successful, yeah. very lovely adults. I met uh, I met one of your sons at the Blues Festival yes. when we were rolling around the bottom of yes. Colm last year. Yes. Eat it. When we went to, at the Thai van. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you take your grandkids to boxing yes. every week now. Yeah. Um, when they were going through their education and um, one went into work, one went into um, further education and higher mm. education. When my eldest son was doing his degree, from my experience and my uh, life learning, I said, a degree will give you... Um, it's just another element of your ability. Yeah. But I think the, a degree itself is proof that you can focus on a task and finish it. Which, which is really weird because I am um, not the best starter finisher ever. Well, I'm far from it. Mm. But I did a degree. And I remember a conversation with my sister. So I'm I'm the one who never really revised and... Did okay. Like I knew that I was yeah. going to get my GCSEs. Yeah. And I didn't have to. And my yeah. sister had to revise really hard, and we both got we got the same qualifications. Yeah. She had to try really hard, and I just thought I'll get them. And I remember a conversation with my sister. I must have been seventeen. She'd have been fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. And all my mum and dad wanted was one of us to go to university. And we had a sit down conversation about well, which one of us is going to do it? Yeah. Because. We both really, and don't get me wrong, going to university was the best. I don't use, I don't use my degree at all. And going there was a brilliant experience for me. And I had the time in my life. And to be fair, my sister would come down for weekends. and But for me, it was about that university lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a sit-down conversation about, well, which one of us is it going to be? And then just before I went to university, I uh, applied to the ambulance service. They were really short of new paramedics. And my mum and dad, because we, me and my sister had chosen that I would be the one that went. Right. And so my sister was on a different track to not go to university, to go into a job. And then, it, we're talking like a month before university, I, I didn't tell them. I remember I sat in the house in Keefe Road when everybody had desktop computers in the middle of the night applying to the ambulance service. And the day after, I said to my mum and dad, I've applied to the ambulance service. And it was almost like, well, if you get that job, you're not living here. And... That's a really good job to have. Mm. But it was, there was such pride in... I, I think the generation before me, there was so much pride in education. Yes. Which I think... The, but I think, it carried, I, I lot, think but, it carried a lot more weight then. Yeah, I think we've gone almost full circle now where I'd, I've never used my degree. I would like to, and I have this almost dream that one day I'll have done all this and I can then go and... Put well, my degree to good use in some way. Well, as an um, as an employer now, mm-hmm. when we when we um, advertise for any uh, vacancies, mm-hmm. certain certain posts you have to have certain qualifications. You know, if it's medical or if it's technical yeah. or if it's scientific or if, it's, if you're a doctor, you've yeah, got to yeah, know about medicine. You know, if you're a vet, um, you've got if, to know how to cut a dog's leg off. You know, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. building cars or rockets yeah. or trains, you have Planes. to have them engineering. Be, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but with regards to um, general working mm-hmm. and general posts where you're dealing with people and you're dealing with... Um, just just normal people. Yeah. Um 
where there's you know managerial posts and um, project management posts, if there's no technical expertise needed, when there is a degree, minimum degree, yeah. I don't particularly like that. Yeah. Um, and when I do get CVs and we are recruiting for a post, whether it's managerial or supervisory or um, technical or non-technical, the gr- the degree uh, when I'm looking at CVs, all that tells me is that they've applied themselves for two years and sat an exam and got through a process. Yeah. That's all it tells. I got me. I got so my mine was a four year degree and then a two-year qualification process afterwards to be a chartered surveyor. So you had to do three but years. But that's technical. That's <coughs> yeah. highly skilled I got, and scientific. I, got, I, I, was, I remember I was about four months away from the whole six-year process. and my, Me and my sister have been really close forever. She came to stay with me in, Keswick, uh, in Kendall, where I was living at the time. I said, I don't want to do this. I'm going to leave. And she said, you can't. How are we going to tell mum that you're not going to carry out what you've done? And I said... So I'll wait three months then, then get qualified, and then not do it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, like being a doctor, you've got to practice to keep it up. Yeah. So why would I... So I can get qualified, and then I won't practice. So 12 months later, I'll all of a sudden not be chartered anymore. But a surveyor, a chartered surveyor, if, you, if you're no good at chartered surveying, or if you, if you wing it, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're... Whether it's... Um, building houses or civic engineering you've got to understand and, and, and the silly thing is you, you know sense. how disorganised I am I'm if I say I'm coming at six o'clock if, if I say we're going for a walk at six o'clock it'll be quarter past by the time yeah. I'm ready yeah. being a, 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 a technical job like that is not the job for me is it no, um, no, no. But no. I, I've done. I, but I, I got to five. I've done five years and seven months or whatever, and then said I'm not going to carry on. Anyway, back to you. So we've got to. Um, you've had the difficult time. And you've gone to the Arndale. That's changed your life. And then obviously you've got done better and better jobs and become a CEO. I want to touch on a few things outside of the business sphere, okay. sphere that are really important to your life. I think. Outside of work and outside of the cats, which we've not talked about, probably the moat which is sat next to us, um, which are like dogs, they're more like dogs than cats. You usually go to somebody's house and there's cats all over you, and I look after them when that they're not away. That cat weighs nine kilos. They're, they're, like, they're, seven they're kilos. absolutely dog cats, they're just like dogs. Um, but I would say, surely, one of the other biggest influences on your life has got to be Burnley Football Club. Absolutely. So you started going on the turf at what age? At the age of about 11, about the same time that I started living. Well, my mum had become estranged from my dad. Mm -hmm. Let's have more wine. Let's carry on. Sometimes I live with with my dad. For the benefit of everybody else listening, we're nearly on bottle two now. So we need to switch into the reality. You've drunk most of bottle one, though. No, but it's because you're talking more. That's all right. That's the idea. That's That's the idea. The idea is that you talk more than Um, so Burnley Football Club. So when my mum became estranged from my dad and went off to become the landlady mm-hmm. of um, the Spinners Arms, I live with my dad in um, on Hargrave Street at Nelson. So bottom of the Hogplatz before what was Springbank and then became Groves Hotel, mm-hmm. which is the hotel where I worked, and then Hawthorne's Nightclub, which I worked in as well. So that's the and at that time you had five jobs, I think. 
Three jobs. Three jobs. Three jobs, jobs and two kids. two kids. No yeah. car. Yeah. Um, and you're busing it all over. Yeah, busing and walking and biking. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, most of the players were staying there. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But before then, when I lived on Hargrave Street, uh, before I before I had uh, my youngest son, um, my my mum and dad became estranged from each other. I lived with my dad in Hargrave Street. My dad worked shifts. Mm-hmm. He worked at um, now. Then where did he work? He worked at Jimmy Nelson's. Yeah. For a long time, uh, he worked at Mullard's. He was he was a scab in in, in the sixties. Um, good for him. Good for him. Well, no, he wasn't. Well, it was good for him because um, I I can't remember it because it was uh, he was the, he was the shop steward. Yeah. And he crossed the picket line. Oh, wow. Because the guy that they were striking for, who'd been sacked for stealing. Uh, he witnessed him stealing what he'd taken, whatever yeah. it was. So he wouldn't strike for him, but he wouldn't tell him, he wouldn't grass him up either. Yeah. But he went to work. So we had scab dubbed on our walls, apparently, before I, before I can remember, that was in mm-hmm. the late 60s. But he was a shop, shop steward, and worked at Mullard's and at Jimmy Nelson's, and um, I can't remember where he worked at the time when I lived with him, but he worked sh- at split shift, so... Six till two, two till ten, mm-hmm. um, and I was the only I was the youngest child left at home. Yeah, and um, so when Dad was six to two, I would come home in the uh, after school at four o'clock, and Dad would be going out to the Star Club, mm-hmm. and so I'd see him for maybe an hour. And then I'd make my own tea and, and, and then That's why go, on, go, go, off, go off to do whatever I was doing. And then when when he was on Toodle 10, I wouldn't see him for eight days. So as, as an 11-year-old girl, I was looking after myself yeah. for 11 days. And you're very independently minded now, aren't you? Yeah. And it must come like from that. that you need nobody. You can... I mean, we, I live across the road from you and we can go... Days where you are quite happy to just batten down the hatches here. Yep, yeah, yeah. completely and, and, happy with my and, own and company. And not only that, but plan to do it. Completely what are you doing this weekend? I have no intention of leaving the house. Yeah, completely self-sufficient, completely happy with my own company. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that I'm in my own home and I love my home mm-hmm. is a, a very precious thing. Mm-hmm. So um, if I can spend time on my own in my home, mm-hmm. to me that's a complete... Uh, privilege. Yeah. So that's not that I want to be going no. to the traffic centre. Never been to the traffic centre. I've been once. Uh, or I want to go partying. Or I, I need to be somewhere. Or I need yeah. to be in a crowd. But, but going back to Burnley Football Club, mm-hmm. one of the things that I did do because I went to Mansfield School, I was very close with a group of friends that lived in Briarfield mm-hmm. in and around Mansfield School, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were Burnley fans. Mm-hmm. And I went to Briarfield Youth Centre. On a Tuesday night, yeah, and um, quite good at playing pool. Yeah, and other youth clubs come used to come and play pool. Yeah, uh, almost like a little bit of yeah, a league. like a pool league. Yeah, yeah, um, but I could win because mm-hmm. I'd lived in a pub. Yeah, yeah, so I was thirteen at this time, yeah. not eleven. Yeah, um, so the the, um, the football was always evident when we lived in the pub because mm-hmm. there was always an element yeah. of betting, yeah. gambling. Um, gammon, gammon, as they would call it. <laughs> there was there was always um, banter and, and stuff like that. There was always that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then, 
I went to Bryfield Youth Club and a lot of my friends used to go to the football and then um, I can't remember I'm probably about 12 not 11 12 um, they said he'd come into the football on, on uh, Saturday and I was like yeah I, I was like oh my god I get to go to the football yeah I had no idea what I was going to yeah I had no idea how to get there yeah I had no idea and I was just like yeah so I just got I just got carried along with this wave of, well, we meet there. We actually met at Brightville Railway Station okay. with cans of beer. At is, the that age still, of is that still... Is it that, is still is a station, it's, yeah. But is it Brightville Mill? It's next to Smith and Nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah Brightville Mill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the bridge yeah, yeah. is now. Um, and we, we met there and everyone was drinking cans of beer. Uh, so I drank cans of beer. I thought I could do that. I've been drinking cans of beer with my parents for the last <laughs> 10 years. I'm only 12, you know, I can drink. Um, but it was true. And yeah. I was like, yeah, and we got swept along. And I can still remember to this very day, the very first time I went to Turf Moor. And it was um, a cold afternoon, and there seemed to be millions of people. Mm-hmm. All walking, which they would as a small yeah. person, and they were, they were, and they were singing, it's like a sea of people, and they were it? chanting, and they were, there was a bit of fighting, there yeah. was some scuffles, and you loved it all. It was angry. I loved every minute. My heart was racing. Yeah, and um, we went through the turnstiles. I think it was something like one pound seventy five through the turnstiles, maybe one twenty five. Yeah. Um. And we walked up this concrete ramp and then there was these massive concrete steps that just looked like they were going up to nowhere. Yeah. And you walked up these... Con- and and there, were, there were thousands of people walking up these concrete steps. And then the further up the steps you went, the louder the noise became. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't have a clue what I was going to see. I could just hear this thing and, rising. And it would have been a very different place than anyway. Yeah, it? it was all standing. standing. It was the long side. It yeah. was. It Which was I mean, the long side was always hooliganism. my favourite place. It, I, I'd like to be at the end of the long side, in the rowdiest place. Really? It, it, it makes you. It, it allows you to be lost and to be normal, doesn't it? Well, going I was on the completely turn. lost. I just got carried along. And I walked up these concrete steps, and the, and it smelt of piss, <laughs> and 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 the, it was it was strewn with with, and there were fags, and, and yeah. everyone was smoking, and everyone was swearing, everybody was drinking, but it. So felt, nothing's changed. Then. <laughs> nothing's don't changed. Anymore. Don't smoke anymore. No, don't no. smell of piss anymore. <laughs> uh, and everybody, but everybody knew that they connected yeah. on a level that was far more important than money, yeah. far more important. Class. It, it yeah. was, it was the, it was the club. And, and as I got to the top of the steps, and it must have been the B-all end, or mm. it was the corner between the B-all end and the long side, which is where the disabled and the big yeah. screen is now. And I got to the top of them steps, and what hit me was what I can. It would be it's it's it was just this sea of noise. Yeah, excitement. Oh, complete anticipation. And it, was, and, and it was it was it was it was biblical. Yeah. It was it, it hit me in the chest. And does it still feel like that today? Every single I know, match. I, I know it does because we've been on we've been on 
the turf several I mean you're a season ticket holder you're there every single game every single time at quarter to three I get that same thing that and rises I, and in we, there and, and you it and I hits have, me in the chest I we go separately but you and I have been several times in recent years together I love it and we have the best days ever don't we and, yeah and we anticipate them for months in advance yeah this is what game are we doing we're doing this yeah. game and yeah. Um, yeah I can see that that has been such a big that part of your life. Such a feeling of. And has that been a constant since eleven? Um, when my children gap? were young and, and I was a single parent, I always followed them, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't go very regular. So I do you think? To take them so, every now and then. So do you think it it's expensive. been? Do you think it's been the? Just looking back now, do you think that's been the most constant thing in your life ever? Apart from whether family. You've, whether you've been or not. Well, even my family have been intermittent. Yeah, but, whether uh, you've been or not, do you think that's the most constant yeah. belief that you've had? Yeah, yeah. Which is quite a significant yeah. and thing, And sometimes it? it was bittersweet because uh, some of the people that I met mm-hmm. through being a Burnley fan um, weren't the best relationships yeah. that I've ever had and some of them were quite um, traumatic relationships mm-hmm. and, and they'll always be there, but... Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but it just, it just feels. I don't know whether yeah. it's. I, religious. I get that feeling. Yeah, it's like I mean, you're not, you're not a religious person, are you? Not but, at all. Uh, not I've at dragged all. you to church at Christmas. And we, had a really, we had a really good scene. I had a great time. <laughs> but uh, um, there's, there's, yeah, I get that feeling. It's, it's not even that feeling in your stomach. It's when it rises from your stomach it, to your it chest. It comes into your chest. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely and right. And my heart beats, and I get excited, and I mm. love it, and. And I always say to people when they come to the football, um, I'll try and behave. Yeah. But I there's, can't there's an animal instinct in me that makes me want but to I, scream. I went. Um, and it's one of the only places that you're allowed to scream. The second, yeah, and, and that's why I loved it. So I was, um, I think, the f- I can't remember. Whenever, whenever they've gone, in both of. There has been two times when I've ended up on the pitch, and I've been in a position of where, and I've been in a position of responsibility, and I've been on the long side, and I've been at the end on purpose. I've specifically asked for that bit of the long side where they never sit down, and they're all in the old David Fish weekend now, aren't they? Mm. But it was the bit of the long side where they never sat down, and I was like, no, if I want, they still stand up at the end. Yeah, it's where the suicide squad used to be down at the end. And and now. and I was like, if I'm going, I want to be there, I want to be stood up, I want to be one of the animals, and I would go, and I was in a, a position, and there's a picture of me on Facebook, on somebody's shoulders in the middle of the pitch, and I got a text from somebody far more senior than I was, saying it's illegal to go on a pitch pole, and I was like, I don't give a shit, yeah, it was such good fun. But and there, was no, there, there, was, there wasn't even I'm following, we were the first over the bloody barrier, and it felt so good. Yeah. It, was when, it yeah. was when they went up, and we were itching, they were holding us back, yeah. and we were dancing on the side of the pitch, and the, the spirit, and I, it, football's not a game I've played, I was always in the goals at school, because that's where they put the guy who can't play football. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could run, but I was usually running away. Yeah. And uh, but but the spirit of Turf Moor. Yeah. Is the spirit of Turf Moor? Turf Moor again, Burnley in the Premier League now, and I know we're not talking about football, 
But Burnley in the Premier League now is... It's for me. It's we're still living the dream, and this is the point that I wanted to make. The spirit of Turf Moor the under, is the, the is a, is the spirit of this end of East Lancashire. Of course, that it is. You're the underdog punching, and yes. that's what this end of East Lancashire yeah. is. That we're the underdogs punching above where we should be, yeah. and we should just enjoy that because we're above what we should be in so many things and actually it's just turf more that encapsulates that with all these different still, people. What, I think there's only three grounds in the whole football league of, uh, there might only be two, um, where the the original teams are still within their original home mm-hmm. at the original site. And of course, Colin Dynamo's nearly ended up sharing with way back. Um, so moving on from football, we've just got just a few... One point, I know yeah, I've said yeah, it already. Yeah. In, in society, it's very frowned upon to scream and shout oh, and, yeah, and release um, emotion mm-hmm. without any comeback. There's, you know, you, you're, you're, yeah. um, you're constantly being told that, how to behave. That's why I used to go on the end of the long side. That's why I still scream yeah. now, because yeah. it's the only place where I can scream and shout, yeah. call people names, swear, yeah. like a sailor. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and nobody go, bats and, an and eye. going and going on the turf with you, which we do once or twice a year, is my favourite weekend of the year. That whole day, and it never stops at the turf. We go somewhere else somewhere afterwards. Else, somewhere we usually else. drink it beforehand. Yeah. Last time we had, yeah. I adore it. Yeah, I absolutely and that, adore that that day of yeah. the year, or that them few days of the year, it's as, good to scream and shout yeah. without consequences. Yeah, and we're nobody looking at you. Nobody cares. Nobody, we're, all the, we're all the same people yeah. there. And everyone's on your side. Absolutely. Yeah. So long it's as you're on Burnley's side. Um, so moving on from football, yeah. just a quick, a, a couple of like, um, not necessarily quick fire, but um, different questions. And I don't know whether you'll be able to answer them all, but what do you think your biggest driving force in life is? Keeping my home. And that is a big thing for you, isn't it? This yeah. is... I know it's my a mum beautiful... and my dad were both homeless mm-hmm. when they died and penniless. Um, and they and we talk about this a lot actually, don't we? This, this home and yeah. because it's such a beautiful home that you live in, um, it's a very big, beautiful Victorian house. Um, just you could, I mean, you could live in in your house. You could live in the kitchen of your house, couldn't I do. you? Most Which of you the do, time. but Most it's of the time. it's a beautiful house, and we've spoken about. Should you ever downsize later on, and it would it, will it be wrong for you to do it because this is your home, this kitchen I is your coven. Like, I feel like it is my coven, yeah. and, and we've spoken about this a million times. Um, is in the cellar mm-hmm. of the yeah. original. We're in the uh, earth. Yeah, we're in we're in a home. Amanda and I always talk about this witchy thing that we have that we have this real connection to the world around us, and we spend hours and hours each weekend. Like hours and hours and hours on the the moors and we feel like here where we are is right in the middle of it all I want to know something that you've failed at oh my god there's loads of things are there? oh yeah never yeah 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 there is is there Uh, anything big or not? well I'm I'm a little bit risk averse I don't take risks no that's what's good about you um I don't tend to be. No, but that's or, that's where we're so different, and that's why we we get on so well. I could, marriage. Yeah, well, no. Fuck well, it, it, fuck it, it. I didn't fail. It just no. ran its course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fail. See, I know you really well, and when I saw when I saw what 
I should talk about tonight, I thought, I can't think of something that she has. I, I do... I'm sure there's lots of things that I fail at and, and I might not be aware of them. I'm sure most of the things I fail at are to, are to do with relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I'm single. Maybe that's why I like being single. Yeah. But I'm okay And you're perfectly that. happy with that. I'm you? perfectly happy with that. And what's the one thing that you wish you could tell yourself when you were just starting out? Don't be so scared of everything. Because I'm still, so, I'm scared of tonight. And like you said, when you set off as day one as chief exec, terrified. I, I was petrified. Yeah, I'm petrified of everything. And I'm getting to a point uh, where I can believe tell that tonight, not to be scared. And tonight, you text me saying I'm a little bit scared. And we do this most Fridays yeah. that we have wine and cheese it's in your recorded. kitchen. recorded. Yeah, but... And so I might be judged. I think that's what I'm scared of, oh. being judged. Well, the, um, I am absolutely certain the only way that people would judge you after tonight is in a positive light. But There's do you know no... what? If they judge me, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want to hear. Um, so it's a fear. <laughs> this, this, uh, I don't need it. So Alex, our producer, gave me these lists of questions and we ran through them in the car on the way here. And... Uh, one of them was, um, what does the future hold for you? And I know the answer to this question. So it's not like a, I want to be a millionaire. I know what the answer to this question is going to be. What does my, the future my, hold for my you? Only hap- my, my only future now is to be happy. Mm. Um, to be in this home. To be in this home, to stay here, uh, to keep this home, mm-hmm. which I've now got a plan for. yeah. Within this three is exactly years. what I said in the car, wasn't it? Yeah, within three years. Yeah. I'll be and I said we're gonna. I, I said we, you're gonna be dis- you're gonna be disappointed in this answer. It's not like I I yeah. want to have ten million pounds, and it's going to be. I want to carry on sitting around this kitchen table in yeah. another twenty years. And and the and the and the thread that's run through the whole of this and the whole of my life is I saw my mum and my dad both die penniless and mm-hmm. homeless. I will never let that happen. This is my home, and it and it's my it's where I belong. It's where I'm happy. It's where I'm most happy, even if I've got to be here on my own. Yeah. Um. So. My three year plan. Mm-hmm. I'll be mortgage free. So and there is the plan. And and I'll stay here. And if this house becomes too much for me, then I'll just move in. Or I've got three <laughs> grandsons. I'm sure will move in and help me. And or, and of um, course now you've got. Other people temporarily living here. Yeah, I've got um, I've got Burnley Academy students that come uh, temporarily for digs or so um, you you a mother a second host, time a round host family yeah. for uh, trialists and yeah. academy students, which I think is brilliant. Um, and I've had two so far, only for yeah. a few weeks. Yeah, um, and it's worked out. And really they've had well. all that beautiful food. And yes, you even cooked um, meats. And you I even did, cooked well, meat. both 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 boys that I've. Um, looked after so far and said the food was great Good. and they both well, had meat. I could have told them that before they came. Um, I don't think they like being this far out away from um, the Barnfield Academy because yeah. they're the first pick-up, which means they've got to get up an hour earlier than everybody else. Yeah. But I said, do you know what? You get great food and yeah, a really yeah. big, lovely, comfy bed up in the attic yeah, yeah. and your own little studio apartment. So it's, it's given to And him. don't tell me they're not keeping on the bus on the way there. Yeah, I think they are. And what, what do you think your greatest... Don't, don't publish that, they might get sanctioned. <laughs> what do you think your greatest achievement in life is? Um, God, my greatest achievement is... Um, God, that's really hard. 
Um, probably being here doing this. So you know, interested in my life. I was going to say, I, I, I mean, I was looking at that and thinking, and I was, I was, shut up, shut up. I look, I'm so interested in your life. It's good for me, it's good for me to interview you because I know you that well anyway. Um, but when I was just asking that question, I thought she's either going to say, just being in this kitchen now. Completely. Or the CEO thing. But I no, thought she's going to say being, being in this kitchen being here. now. Being and, here yeah. right now. I know, we know each other that well yeah. that I thought you yeah. would say that. This and house, being here, this house. And do you know, every morning, uh, I do, I have a ritual. Everyone's got a ritual every morning, don't they? They, they go upstairs, do this, that, and the other. I come into this kitchen every morning, sort my cats out, make my lunch. And I thank my house. Do you know, I was telling Alex, because I moved almost opposite you um, in the summer of this year, didn't I? And um, I was telling Alex on the way here the story of... Um, I'd given up drinking for the summer, hadn't I? Yes. And, uh, How the, and then I moved the hell in... How did you do that? I know, well, I've made up for it since, haven't we? Both of us. <laughs> and uh, I moved into the house across the road and had a housewarming party. Mm. And that night of the housewarming... Well, I had a bottle of wine the night before the housewarming party because I didn't want to just start drinking with 20 people at my house. And then we had the housewarming party, which was a really good party. And then we partied all night, and then you popped back across the road in the morning. And we watched the tennis. And we, we turned the, the telly round, and we watched, the, we watched the Wimbledon final. And then we watched the cricket. Yeah, we watched World the Wimbledon final, final and we all had a bottle of Prosecco in our hands. Yeah. And my mum, who'd been at the party, walked back in to clean up, and there were three of us sat watching the telly with a bottle of Prosecco each. Yes. And those are the memories that we make, aren't they? Yes. And those are the friendships that yes. we create. I'm going to do a very quick... Fire round of questions. Okay. There are five of them, and okay. then we're going to switch off the microphones, and then we're going to drink the Rioja. Yes. Right, quick fire round. Okay. Favourite food? Cheese. Favourite music genre? Rock. Ant or deck? Oh, ant. What's oh, the top? No, no, deck. <laughs> deck, the little one. Deck. Yes, that's the one. one. What's the top of your bucket list? I don't have a bucket list. Where would you like to visit that you haven't been? You've been to them all. You've Canada. Done... Yeah? Canada. Vancouver yeah. Island. She Canada. wants to do an exit. She wants to do <laughs> an exit. Do and what is your favourite memory? Um, probably last year mm -hmm. in Savannah. Yeah. With my friend, Mel. Yeah. Who lives in New Jersey. Yeah. And every time I go and visit her in New Jersey, she takes me off somewhere. And she took me to Savannah, Georgia last year. And uh, we went out for three nights, uh, fairy tailing and free balling. So no agenda, no... And we just went and had the best time. And on the last night, we bumped into five US Air Force pilots on 48 hours leave. And we did Top Gun. <laughs> With five US pilots. And it was the best night out I've ever wow. had. I don't think we should... And we flew back to New York from Savannah the following morning. We didn't take a name, we didn't take a number, we didn't... And there was nothing untoward, there was mm. nothing... Yeah, the time of sorted. But for eight hours on our last night in Savannah, then five US pilots that were on leave looked after us, 
and gave us the best night out. We had the best party. That was one of my best memories. It was like a fairy tale. Amanda Meacham, you are one of my very best friends. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. As always, Spitting Feathers is produced by Alex Hallisey and hosted by me, Paul White, for spittingfeatherspodcast.co.uk. To find out more about what Amanda does and her business, head over to cbpartners.org. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe so you can get the next episode. We'll be back real soon. And remember, just like us, always drink responsibly.